You're listening to episode 227 of the FitzPro podcast, and today is an overrated, underrated Spitfire episode for mostly fitness, uh, but there's some some other things thrown in there as well. I asked Instagram as well as my email list. My email list came through. Holy cow. So we are going to, we as in me, I'm going to attempt to answer these as quickly as possible. You know, I'm a long-winded bitch, so that might be difficult, but without further ado, let's dive in. The FitzPro Podcast is your no BS approach to seeking out truth in the world that is online health and fitness. You'll see through the lens of the trainer, the trainee, and the entrepreneur. I'm your host, Annie Miller, certified strength and conditioning specialist, entrepreneur, lover of sleep, lattes, and dinosaurs, aka not your average Fitzbo. And my aim is to help you grow your mind, body, and business through knowledge and authenticity so that you too can become a Fitzpro. First up, intermittent fasting. This person says, I see so many people post that intermittent fasting is so good for women in their 40s, and then other experts saying it's awful for women in their 40s going through perimenopause. Uh, What is the deal? I am in my mid-40s and not sure which way to turn to help me lose weight and keep my hormones as balanced as possible. First off, this is not my area of expertise. Weight loss is not my area of expertise. Hormones is not my area of expertise. I would attempt to work with a... Um, endocrinologist, if you possibly can, um, or someone who is obviously more versed in hormonal balance and specific to perimenopause. Um, I think that I said this in my Instagram story as well, but check out Steph Godrow. She works with women specifically over 40. So be sure to check her out. She's very much so into building muscle. And that is obviously going to be beneficial for you if losing fat or weight loss is, I mean, specifically fat loss, not necessarily weight loss is a goal of yours. In general, intermittent fasting is not likely going to be the best option for females. That is my current understanding. And that is not that it is inherently bad. It's just that it's not necessary. You can lose fat by simply implementing a caloric deficit that best works for you. That's likely going to be high protein, at least one, 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. And then whatever carbs and fats need to make up the rest of your diet. Again, this is not really my area of expertise. Uh, I would say that intermittent fasting generally is overrated though. I do not think it is underrated by any means. I think it is widely overrated and I think that it's one way to take in less food throughout the day and that's about Next up is squats. I would say, this is actually funny, I would say that they are overrated for the desire to grow your glutes, and I would say they are underrated as just a functional movement that you should be able to do, and I don't use the word functional very often, but squats are functional. You should be able to get into a decently low squat below parallel and stand up out of it just as a human being. If you can't do that, that is a skill that I would work on, whether you have limitations in ankle mobility, hip mobility, just overall control of that movement and you need to work the motor pattern. I would say overrated for growth of the glutes and underrated from a functional standpoint. And I could even see somebody arguing actually that squats are overrated from a functional standpoint because you do not need, I'll say this, not from a functional standpoint, Squats are probably overrated from a muscle growth standpoint because if hypertrophy is your goal, doing squats is not necessary for that. 
it is going to completely depend on your own fiber recruitment when you do squats, how those squats are loaded, etc. My quads take on muscle very, very, very well from doing decently heavy and or high volume oxidative style. So no pausing back squats, front squats, any barbell loaded squat that is challenging. My quads are like, yes, give me more. That is my answer for squats. Next up, Lululemon. These are accurately rated. I would not consider Lululemon overrated. I would probably consider them underrated by a lot of people who have not yet experienced Lululemon. That was me for almost a decade. I mean, when I coached at University of Portland, there were some of the female athletes that wore Lululemon. And at that time, I was, when I say a poor college student, (laughs) a fucking poor college student. So the idea of spending over $100, over $20 on a pair of leggings, I got my shit at TJ Maxx and Ross and Goodwill, okay? I was not about to drop Lululemon money on Lululemon clothing. So... I thought that they were highly overrated and then, you know, um, got a bit more affluent, got myself some aligns and they are 110% the best overall legging in my opinion, as is everything else that Lululemon creates. I am only personally a fan of their sports bras and leggings. Um, I have a few of their t-shirts, their all of love. What are their t-shirts called? I don't know, but I have some of their like kind of oversized t-shirts. They're nice. Um, but to me, like their aligned leggings are unmatched. Pre-workout. Pre-workout is, I would say overrated. I think that there's probably a placebo effect going on there. I would be interested to see some more studies on pre-workout. And it also depends on like, is it a stim pre-workout? Is it a non-stim pre-workout? I definitely feel a difference when I take Legion's non-stim pre-workout, but I couldn't, and Legion has the literature on their site. So I could actually tell you what parts of the non-stim pre-workout are having an effect on me likely, but I don't know if my own experience, my own anecdotal experience is placebo or dependent on the actual pre-workout. Most of the time I just drink coffee and that's my pre-workout. So I would say that it is probably overused. I would say it's over-dependent on. I would also say that it's not a bad thing. So, I mean, it depends on the freaking brand that you're getting it from for sure. But overall, pre-workout is fine. I would say that it's overrated. Converse. Underrated? I don't know. I don't know that I have an opinion on this. When I was coming up in the weightlifting world, Converse were kind of the go-to lifting shoe, but Converse are quite narrow. They obviously have a zero drop, which is great. So there's no change from the toe to the heel as far as the uh, raise of the heel. This is lovely. They're a decently flexible shoe. That's lovely, but they are pretty narrow and we want a wide toe box. So I don't know if they're overrated or underrated, but that's my opinion on this shoe. Next up is lateral raises. It totally depends. I I don't know. I would probably say underrated. Lateral raises are a fantastic exercise and specifically using different angles of the lateral raise. So are you lifting straight out to the side or are you lifting on the sternal line? Are you doing L lateral raises that are going to get more after that medial delt? There's so many different types of lateral raises. You can do decline, incline, uh, increase range of motion, allows you to use different loads with this exercise. And if you want capped shoulders, if you want those pumpkin deltoids, lateral raises are going to be a part of the exercise selection within your workouts, I hope. So I would say underrated, 
I think that, I mean, I feel like they're used by a lot of people, but if growing delts is a goal of yours, pushing and using different variations of lateral raises is something you should be doing. <laughs> LOL, the next one. Spotify premium for workout playlists. You guys, I don't listen to music when I work out. <laughs> so uh, I, I have no opinion. I don't know. The next one is an, actually a question. What is underrated for shoulder mobility? I would honestly say just shoulder cars. So doing joint articulations, controlled joint articulations, is I think widely underused for shoulder mobility. I think a lot of people go through shoulder mobility exercises with bands, you know, T's, I's, Y's, things of that sort. And not enough people just actually move their shoulder in a controlled manner through internal rotation, external rotation, full extension, and flexion. In doing that, like look it up. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, look up shoulder cars and maybe give that a go. I think that that would be why that is widely underrated and underused as shoulder mobility. I think uncontrolled T's, I's, and Y's and things of that sort are widely overrated for shoulder mobility and they aren't actually working on mobility, which is control through the end range of a joint. So there's my two cents on shoulder mobility. The next one I really like is for personal trainers. So personal training certification, overrated or underrated? I just think that they're, that it's sad that, um, how do I, how do I word this? I wish they provided more value. I wish they better prepared personal trainers. So I don't necessarily know if I think they're overrated or underrated. I think they're necessary and I think they don't do as good of a job as they could. That's my opinion on personal training certifications. I think you need paper behind your name in order to give you backing in what you're saying or working with people and saying, I'm qualified to do X. Do I actually think that a personal training certification from any of the main organizations ACSM, NASM, NSCA, whatever, do I think that they actually qualify you to do what a high performing personal trainer should be doing? No, I don't think that. So you call that overrated or underrated, whatever you want. Uh, I think you need it if you want to be a personal trainer. And then I think you need to do a lot more continuing education and getting your own experience in the field. That. That's what I'll say about that. Social media content creation, underrated, underrated. I think that social media content creation is underrated. I think that a lot of people don't do it in the way that would best benefit them personally and their personal brand if that is what they are building, which is most of the people that I work with. I think that maybe following trends within social media content creation is overrated, but I think consistent social media content creation that actually provides value and is created in a helpful manner as a brand or business is underrated. Content is king, content will be king, and content has always been king as long as social media has freaking existed. So, underrated. I think you should lean the fuck into that. If you aren't right now, lean harder. Um, next up is deload weeks. Underrated. Deload weeks are underrated. Uh, I think they're also maybe improperly used or maybe misunderstood as well because a deload week is only needed if you are actually pushing yourself in the gym. And that sounds kind of, well, it sounds like a lot of people probably aren't pushing themselves as hard as they could be in the gym. <laughs> 
which I think is the case. So I think that maybe they're overused by people who don't necessarily need them. I think that they are underrated as a tool to manage fatigue and volume if someone is actually pushing themselves in the gym. I also think people are maybe afraid of deload weeks and, you know, taking the foot off the gas. And so that's why I think they're also underrated. It depends on the athlete and the trainee that you're looking at. I think people are scared of deload weeks. I think they're going to lose all their gains if they take a break. So I guess that's kind of the person that I have in mind when I'm thinking of answering this. And in that sense, deload weeks are underrated. People would feel a lot better and I actually think make better gains if they took deload weeks. Morning routines. I think morning routines are actually underrated in the sense that I think the influencer morning routine is probably overrated. The taking a fucking hour of your life to take a cold shower, meditate for 15 minutes, read a positive book, listen to an uplifting podcast, you know, spread sparkles all over yourself, dance with unicorns. I don't fucking know. That's not going to be realistic for most people, but the value of a morning routine of waking up and doing the same stacked tasks. For me, my morning routine consists of waking up, letting the dog out, getting my baby a bottle, bringing the baby out after I feed him, then drinking my 30 grams of protein, making my bagel, and unloading the dishwasher. That's my morning routine. Does that sound fancy? No, but it's predictable. It makes me feel grounded in my day. And that's the power of a morning routine. So I think that I think that giving yourself a realistic morning routine within your life and your current season is underrated. I think that the threshold of what people think a morning routine needs to be is overrated. So if people just said, you know, my morning routine is the order in which I wake up, brush my teeth, wash my face, put on makeup, get ready. Maybe you do do some breathing. Maybe you do a three second meditation while you're doing your makeup. Like that can be a part of your morning routine. So I think that establishing some kind of morning routine for yourself and the power that that can give you throughout the day and just making that choice, making those stacked positive decisions in the beginning of your day, I think that that is underrated. Exercise bands, overrated for people who think they're building muscle, underrated for people who think they do nothing. That is my answer for that. Exercise bands are awesome. I think that they are widely, 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 widely versatile when it comes to mobility, as well as even the glutes. Exercise bands are fabulous for your glutes. Are you going to build the biggest, juiciest glutes by just using exercise bands? No, but I think that working the glutes in different planes and along different fibers, such as say glute mead, which does favor endurance-based exercise and functionality, an exercise band is a fantastic thing. Next up is scheduled non-working hours. I don't know if I know what that means. So we're gonna move on to the next one. Scheduled non-working hours. As in you schedule what you're gonna do when you're not working, underrated if you are an entrepreneur. I remember I've said this on podcasts before. This is just the take that I'm, this is the direction I'm going with this. I don't know if this is accurate or not, but when I decided, I think it was 2021, maybe 2022 that I was like, I am working way too much. But if I did not schedule something other than work, if I didn't schedule, I'm being serious, schedule coloring, schedule watch trash TV, schedule, go on a walk. I would literally fill that time with 
designing new apparel, content creation, drafting podcasts, coming up with new ideas. Like my brain will just do work if I don't give it something else to do. It depends on where you are in your entrepreneurial journey, but that's who I'm going to speak to on this one. Underrated. Schedule your non-working hours. See what happens. I think you will enjoy the way you use your time better. Next up is creatine. Underrated. As popular as creatine is, I think it's so underrated and underused by people who could be benefiting from it, not only from a muscular standpoint, but from a cognitive standpoint. Your body already creates it. The risks are so low with creatine. And if you want to build muscle, if you want to delay fatigue within your workouts and allow your muscles to do more work for a longer period of time, I highly suggest that you look into using creatine. Highly, highly suggest it. I have said before, I mourn the gains that were left on the table because I was not using creatine. Now, creatine is not a steroid. So if you are expecting to take creatine, and become a muscle mommy overnight, that is also not going to happen. So maybe overrated in what people think creatine is going to do, underrated in what it's actually going to do for you or what it could be doing for you. Ooh, I really like these next three. Um, The athletics or background of your coach or trainer. I would say this is probably overrated. I don't know. I would have to ask clients um, what their expectation is of a trainer. Uh, I would have to get inside the client's head on this one, but being on the other side, being on the trainer side, I do think that a trainer's background may be overrated, but it's also, I mean, it is a part of their journey and why they became the trainer that they do, why they have the philosophy that they do, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm a little bit torn on this one. The next one is the equipment that you are using. I would guess overrated for most people. I would guess most people's perception of the equipment they have and what they can do with that equipment, it's likely overrated. As in, you can do a lot more with a lot of pieces of equipment than people think. So that's, I guess, my more so like people's limitations of what they think a piece of equipment can do that is overrated. Or how much weight, not literal load you put on, but how much weight you put on what equipment you have access to is probably overrated. You could probably be getting a lot more out of your training if you were open to options that you have within the equipment that you have access to. All right. I think that's it. That wraps up our overrated or underrated episode. Most things fitness. Maybe we will do something for business or program design, things of that sort. Uh, I know that this was fun for me. You guys very much so enjoyed submitting your overrated, underrated topics, questions, etc. So maybe we will do a, a follow-up episode of some kind. If you enjoyed this episode, give it five stars, leave a written review wherever you tune in. It helps me get in front of people that I otherwise would not be able to if you did not give me a shout out. So if you're not on my main mailing list, go to anniemiller.co backslash news. You can join the daily dose or weekly wisdom. Until next time, I am Annie Miller and thank you for tuning into the Fitz Pro Podcast. Mm-hmm.